1: Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, the podcast about board gamers and the insane fun we have at the table together. This is Chris. Hey, and this is Anthony. And this is episode 418, Board Game Geek Top 100. we like to thank all our Patreon backers for helping us bring you a brand new episode, but especially Christopher, our new backer. Thanks so much. You rock, my friend. All right, everyone. We're back, and we are talking about the bgg top 100 of i I want to say all time but obviously recently it's been bouncing all over the place especially the number one so the board game geek top 100 because that's a thing anthony yeah
0: yeah it is a thing a weird <laughs> thing and honestly at this point potentially a dumb thing but it's it's worth talking about because it is the go-to discussion point like there could be a New York Times article about a board game, and they will reference this list because it's really the only list, right? Like, it's the list, yeah. Yeah, it's the only crowdsourced list that has some form of admittedly kind of messy, nonsensical algorithm. It's uh, not particularly advanced, but it's the only way that we can kind of get a more or less objective look at what the what the crowd thinks are the best games. So we talk about this every few months what it's changed enough to talk about again uh we're not we're not necessarily going to run down every single game on the top 100 but we're going to talk about things that have been moving around where they've been moving like what looks different uh, Mm -hmm. outside of the the big two changes at the top of the list but yeah it's always fun
1: yeah i think i appreciate they make an effort to even have an algorithm although like you said it's admittedly a little outdated and and broken in some places but again considering the fact of like what is a number one game or what is a rating for a game, especially now in these days of Kickstarter land where people rate games at 10 because they backed it. So admittedly, I think we could have a whole episode just on how they calculate those particular metrics, but that's a whole nother podcast. Right. I think, I think we have to bring in some, uh, some of the board game heavy math hitters for that kind of situation. But yeah, and, and I guess, again, too, because in the past, we also used to take a look at and discuss, review. Reddit used to have a pretty interesting top 100 as well, and they stopped doing that. Yeah, they which did. Is, which is weird, because Reddit, Reddit does everything. Y- you know, it's Reddit.
0: I mean, I would imagine there was probably someone in charge of that and they're like this is a lot of work i don't want to do it anymore Um, and no one wanted to step up that's probably how it died i I I can't (laughs) imagine it was a conscious decision
1: no i would almost guess so because again it's it's one of those things where it's like hey this would be awesome like yes that would be awesome but also work (laughs) just yeah so much work work. (laughs) but it was an interesting list because i think the reddit list i liked a lot because it was a little more transparent and had a lot more up and down, hot, cool kind of stuff kind of incorporated. And they did compare a lot of times to the BGG list. And it wasn't radically different, but it was different. Yeah. And I and I was like, oh, that's really cool that they crowdsourced a list and it was different enough to actually produce a different top 100. And if you look back at the previous episodes, we've reviewed the Reddit list and we've compared that with BGG. So, unfortunately, we don't have Reddit but, you know, take a look, take a step back, and check it out. But, Anthony, before we get into our feature review, there's obviously a lot of cool stuff to talk about. And, in particular, what we're doing. So, I know recently, uh, you got a lot of, like, big reactions on our Patreon account for doing a post-mortem of all the Kickstarter games that you backed. And that took, what, 20, 30 episodes?
0: <laughs> ah. It might. Yeah, I've done one so far. That I've got... Too many more to go. I don't know. I probably have to do two more episodes, realistically.
1: So. uh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just like the idea, like post mortem. Like, really, there was a lot of ways you could g- gone with that, <laughs> and you went post mortem. I'm just like, oh yeah. no.
0: <laughs> I mean, once I started going through the list, I'm like, yeah, this is a post mortem. like, half of these are dead or gone, or I've destroyed <laughs> them, or lost them, or given them away.
1: <laughs> yeah so i actually recorded one myself and it's a lengthy episode it's it's, it's way over an hour but i did i was able to conclude everything in that so uh that will be going up on patreon and i also wanted people to know that and i don't know how long everyone's been listening but way back when anthony you may remember a small but plucky podcast called in the habit uh, it was the biggest thing in the world until, I don't know, other things happened in our lives and we had a kind of combined and yeah. I think yeah. App, app, yeah. You you had yeah. a kid.
0: I, I had a kid. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and, we, and, and, then, we, and, we, and we kicked and you it. Were like, we, I don't want to run
0: two podcasts. So I'm just going to get rid of this one. Yeah. That's what happened. Yeah. Um, it was cool that's though. And that was back in the days when like Kickstarter campaigns, it was not, there was, Ooh. it was the Wild West. There was some yes. weird stuff on there.
1: It was, I was going to say the same thing. Yeah. And then I I think that was the time I started editing the podcast. So my apologies for all the bad edits (laughs) early on, (laughs) I was still learning. (laughs)
0: Yeah. yeah. In,
1: In fact, when I was used to do kicking the habit, like I was still learning the software and what I would do was I would record the whole episode straight with no edits because at back then I did not know how to edit the podcast competently. And then if I did, like, a if I crashed, like, if I messed up majorly, I would re-record it. So, (laughs) that was, there were a lot of painful days. That was really. (laughs) But nonetheless, uh, somewhere in the internet, there are those episodes. And as Anthony said, it was the Wild Wild West because... Basically, each and every week I was kind of reviewing, I think, like five or six games and like five out of the six games were like illegal IP copyright infringements, you know, from like random person. It wasn't like it is now. So I am bringing that back on Patreon. And obviously there is not that level of just craziness. I know it's there. We just don't need to look at it like we did. Back then it was like in our face because it was the only games on Kickstarter. (laughs) And now you have legit companies producing games. So uh on the Tuesdays when Kickstarter kicks all their games off. I know GameFound is out there. I don't know, is Indiegogo still a thing? Is that a still a
0: thing? I don't think so. No. All right. <laughs> Not for board games. Backer nah. Kit does some stuff though.
1: Backer Kit for sure. And then I guess Hasbro if you really wanna right. you know, <laughs> if you really want to go down I mean, that road.
0: They they do, and then they're like, Y'all didn't give us enough money cancelled. <laughs>
1: <laughs> don't you love that campaign where like they raised over a million dollars and they're like no
0: not enough money She's <laughs> like really terrible it's a lot of money for a board game <laughs> they're like yeah no we want gloomhaven money we want frosthaven money it's like well then make frosthaven <laughs> what are you doing
1: <laughs> yeah so uh in between anthony's episodes i will do a kickstarter kind of review a preview and let you know what we should kick off which we should kick to the curb I don't remember the other one but I think there was another thing so I was doing a lot of kicking back in the day
0: yeah, yeah. your three kick scale
1: I had a three kick scale you know it's all those years of playing soccer that finally came in handy you know <laughs> mom which mom said it would never amount to anything but fooled you mom I do a podcast about kicking board games because that's a thing
0: <laughs> we burn them we dodge them we kick them
1: that's right That's right. Well, you had, it's a theme. It's, it's meta, right? It's kick, it's Kickstarter kicking. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So, uh, (laughs) I think that'll be fun and I'm going to run straight to the different things. And again, thank you all for letting us know what you would like to hear on Patreon and definitely hitting us up on our discord channel because we're here to produce content for all of you. So, uh, we'll produce more content, get that stuff out to all of you. And hopefully that'll help you on your future purchases. All right, Anthony. So that's, what's happening with us. I I guess one of the other things too is um, where I just maybe a little note is we're wrapping up our call for submissions, right? Where the journal moves forward.
0: Journal does move forward. Yeah. Yeah. So the journal submissions, it it technically closes today when we're recording this. Although if you hear this on Monday and you're like, Oh no, I forgot. We're pretty chill. So (laughs) (laughs) just send me an email. Um, But yeah, no, we've, we're wrapping up. We've got an a bunch of amazing submissions. And then next month, we're going to go into review and it's it's happening, people. It's happening. we're Game yeah, Academics Board. is happening.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you like more information about submissions and or would like to know about the upcoming journal, check out boardgameacademics.com and all the information's on there. You could also get to it from boardgamersanonymous.com. There's a link there that will take you. And again, we're really excited to bring you the best that's happening in tabletop gaming from researchers, uh, from academics, from gamers out there, from writers. I mean, there's so many great people doing so many great things with board games and we're really super excited about bringing you this journal. So hold on, we'll give you updates as time goes on, but the journal moves forward. Thank you all for submitting. Again, if you haven't, Anthony is listening in through his podcast player. So just yell randomly at it and somehow he'll
0: know because, you know. It's a thing. It's, the world's it's a data collection. most useless superpower. I can hear you.
1: <laughs> well, I, isn't that what they're worried about TikTok? Right.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. <we're>, who's listening?
1: <laughs> All right. So that's everything that's going on with us, Anthony. What's happening with our friends? What's our question of the week?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Question of the week this week is: What is the best piece of advice you've ever received related to the board gaming hobby? So. It's pretty open ended. Lots of open ended questions here, and uh, the answers are equally open ended. <laughs> so, um, over on the Patreon, we uh, we ask these questions, and uh, people get to answer them for a chance to win something in our weekly giveaway or bi weekly giveaway. Um, Whiskey Punk says, "Play three games three to four times before you put a final opinion on it. Games I loved on first play ended up in mediocrity. Games I wasn't a big fan of at first I ended up loving after a few more plays. So." Basically, don't no knee-jerk reactions. Gotcha. Yes. I agree. Um, Drew <laughs> says there is a temptation as you get into the hobby that a game is better if it is more complex. Though that is often untrue. Each person has a sweet spot of enjoyable complexity, and it is okay if you differ from others. Enjoy the games you love. Absolutely. Uh, and then over in the Discord, DeBrig says don't judge a game by its theme. I'm not a huge fan of wizard magician themed board games and have often veered away from them, but just mm. as recently a gaming group I joined played mystic paths and I had a blast went as far as adding it to my collection. Um, I, I agree as well. Like that's a tough one because there are certain themes that I like, even if I like the game, I still find myself being like, I just don't want to mess around with Cthulhu. <laughs> like, Um, Arkham Horror card game is brilliant. I've had I have all the stuff up until they started rebooting it, and it's just I never want to play it because it's thematically. But when I do play it, I'm like I have fun. So it's it's like getting over that hump. Um, so I agree with that piece of advice. I need to do it more. Gotcha. Uh, over on the Facebook, a bunch of people left comments as well. So uh, we have Tommy says, "Remember why you're playing. It's about fun and socializing." Matt says, whenever possible, try before you buy. Um uh Jeremiah says, you do not have to own all the games. Well, you know what, Jeremiah? Whoa, 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 you whoa. Are wrong. <laughs> <laughs> That's Kidding, we love you. Um you Run out of space.
1: <laughs> no one told me that.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they should have. <laughs> um and then a friend of the show fed says the best advice i got is about how to store pieces in games uh first using bead plastic bags because not all games have bags but pieces in sandwich bags are too big take up too much room um also mentions you don't have to buy the hotness because someone else will buy it
1: It's <laughs> just true yeah where yeah. were you people when when we started the hobby come on what the heck
0: <laughs> i know like i buy all the hotness i got all these stupid bags i don't know what i'm doing there you go. But but yeah, no, I mean, I think when we get into the hobby, sometimes you're really excited. It's a new thing. Bright eyes, mm-hmm. big, you're just like, you dive in, you start making random purchases and getting stuff all over the place. Um, we talked about our, a lot of this on our collection episode a couple months ago like a mindset going into collecting versus just buying. Mm. Uh, I, I definitely recommend listening back to that, especially if you're newish to the hobby because sure. intentionality early on can really help out later on. Like you, then you don't have to go back through in like a year or two years, three years and get rid of all this stuff that you never actually liked, but it sounded cool. Mm. So that's, that's my advice that I wish I would received. I don't think I received much advice, but I wish I'd received that one.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a, cha- it's a changing landscape. I think when we first started, the hobby was obviously, I mean, it's been around for a while, the modern board gaming hobby. But as far as purchasing concerned, I think there was like, it's almost like comic books, right? There was like the golden age where you had like the Sid Saxon games and you had like, I guess maybe even further back, you had your chess and checkers and your kind of just generic abstracts. But I don't know, it's an, it's it's certainly a new age. And trying to figure out what the best thing as far as like how to kind of manage all of this. I don't I'd like to say that this advice hits because it should. It's it's well worn, you know, knowledge. It just always feels it feels rough, I guess. But I I, I think I along the side of if you I, I guess the best thing is Hmm. It's it's hard. I think games coming back into print, like do not panic. I think once upon a time there were grail games that were never going to come back. But I think we've seen this now more than ever. Games just get reprinted or rethemed. So I think it's not necessary to go crazy in the secondary market or back a Kickstarter because the game will see table time or new life or reinvented in some sort of way. So I think you can hold out. I think the FOMO is much less of a thing than it used to be.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. You know, I, I know Vassal said that for a long time. And when he started saying that, it wasn't really true. <laughs> so, it was not
1: It was not true at all. <laughs>
0: like Vassal's Law was just, it was nonsense. But it, it kind of is true now because yes. of Kickstarter and because of crowdfunding and because there is so much money in bringing those old games back. Yeah, um, I think there really El- aren't a lot of Grail games left.
1: Yeah, I think back in the day, Drew and I, I think it was the New Year thing, and I made this wild prediction that El Grande was going to get reprinted. And it did, which was shocking because I don't think I have any superpowers, but I guess I do. And But now everything does, right? Everything gets reprinted, rethemed, you know, and the secondary market is no longer like that chokehold where you're buying that extra faction and blood rage for $400 because right. even the companies are willing to just reprint a thing to make money. Yeah. Well, thank you, everybody. That's awesome. Some really good advice that we wish we had back in the day, (laughs) to say the least. All right. So that's everything that's going on with our friends out there. Anthony, let's talk about the stuff that we want to get to the table, because clearly we have not learned from our friends out there. What are our acquisition disorders this week?
0: All right. Yeah. So we talked about this game a little bit last week on the Board Game Geek Hotness. Um, Galactic Renaissance is a new game from the designer of Inish christian martinez uh it's on kickstarter right now that's about 10 days left as we record it's about a week when you hear this uh from Matigoat. and it is so like we're gonna keep calling it inish in space there are enough differences that it's a different game i know that you don't have to tell us that that's fine (laughs) but it's funnier to say it's x in space and it is it's inish in space so (laughs) um The goal here is somewhat similar to Inish, right? You have your own little group of of people. You're building a team and you're trying to explore and expand your influence, right? Um, You are going to be recruiting different specialists. They each have different abilities represented by cards. You are building a team, like cross-sectional across different factions and and races and stuff. Um, You'll be exploring the galaxy. There's different locations you can go to. So you're traveling through all these portals to visit these, you know, long lost civilizations and different planets. And then you're trying to expand your influence with your little miniature guys. Um, So you send out your emissaries and you kind of build these relationships throughout the the galaxy. Uh, And so within each of those mechanics, there are a lot of similarities, but they are all slightly different, like looking through the game, like, and that's good. I'm glad because it is tough when a game comes out like this. Especially from a designer of a game that was, you know, it's been out for years. And they're just like, oh yeah, no, it's it's the same thing, but in space. But we tweaked a few things that people didn't like. And you're like, oh, okay. I guess that's good. Um <laughs> I don't know what I think about that. Uh in this case, you know, it's somewhere in between, right? It's a little bit more It's a little bit more different than like a gaia project of terra mystica but it's not like a completely completely different game it's a spiritual successor um it's very pretty right you have all these different miniatures the artwork is fantastic um the i I don't know if it's the same artist or not as inish i'm just checking taking a look now i know inish has multiple artists on it but it has a very distinct art style Mm -hmm. that i really liked this seems to be a different artist but the the look is still good right like it has some of the pastelliness that we've been seeing a lot of sci-fi games lately but it's not like hardcore pastel, right? Sure. Um I don't know what we should call that like pastel core. But Yeah, there you go. There's a lot of it lately. It's and so space there's a lot of different ways you can do it. It can be very clean and dark, it can be very clean and bright, it can be kind of grungy and gross. Um this seems to be like a little bit of all three. Right? Where there's color and there's interesting things and it's exciting but then also you're finding a lot of dirty old gross broken things so that's kind of my favorite version of space like almost like a cowboy bebop kind of aesthetic um where there's a lot going on so it looks cool i i I'm tempted to back it. They're claiming that they're giving you like a $60 or 60 euro discount on MSRP. So, um, <laughs> to check the math on that, but that seems pretty good uh, for a Kickstarter campaign. Um, and I really like Inish a lot. So, but my only holdback on this is that I don't get a ton of, I don't get that game to the table very often. It's yeah. group dependent, it's time dependent. Um, the rules are a little tricky. And this one looks like it could fall on that same bucket. Uh, so I don't know. But I I, I really want to play it for sure. and Then it's just a matter of like, do I think someone else will get it or should I just back it? And then I have it in case, you know, I have the group for it in the future. So mm. uh, Galactic Renaissance on Kickstarter now. It is, again, another week or so. And it is not too terribly stupid expensive. You can... I think the all in for this is 100 euros plus shipping um which compared to a lot of other games on kickstarter right now is pretty darn good the the <laughs> no. new stuff on film games cost more than that and those are remakes of old games so
1: ooh, ooh. burn
0: burn indeed <laughs> yes that's that's like my bar now like is it better deal than that yeah of course it is <laughs> jeez um, that's,
1: a, that's a low bar my friend that's yeah, a I know. low bar <laughs> yeah
0: yeah and shipping's dumb because of course it is but it's shipping it's not, is really it's it's not more obscene than anybody else so galactic renaissance everybody on kickstarter now i i you
1: know there's a co- look there's companies that just produce i i don't even know what i want to say i don't want to say better i don't want to say like the best games or like let's say just the most successful games right there's are just companies out there that are just like the monolith of like board game publishers. And then there's like the second or third tier class companies that are just out there. And a lot of these European publishers and designers out there, I've always loved Madigo. I just, there's something about that company and the one I'll talk about in a minute that I just, I have a, it has a, a special place in my heart. They're, they just do something different. They swing. They 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 take those broad swings for the fences. They don't always work, and they're they're kind of hard to find. But they sincerely try to create something original and fresh and cool. And this again, this looks kind of like that again. So I'm I'm pretty happy that it's something out there. Now yeah. again, it's kind of <laughs> we're not
0: Not that it we're is. not saying that. Yeah. I mean, it's it's dudes spreading out <laughs> and interacting with each other on kind of a modular map. And so I guess it has this, a lot in common in that way, but it's it's not you're not all working towards a singular objective like an in Inish. There's a lot more going on.
1: Sure, it's the victory points kind of thing. Can you collect you know the maximum victory points needed for the game? But again, is this the I don't I don't want to necessarily use like the Terra Mystica to the Gaia Project. Is that the new thing? Like, do a cool fantasy thing, and then like if that does or doesn't work, go to space and just I don't do that know. again.
0: Yeah. Like, I feel like this is more than that, but also is that at the same time, right? So, like, recently we also saw, like, Dwellings of Elder Veil vale kind of yeah. morph into Andromeda's Edge. Uh-huh. And that definitely felt like a Terra Mystica to Gaia project. This one feels like the game is different enough that it's not quite that, but at the same time, it's like the designer himself going from, like, all right, well, I want to do something in space-based, you know, similar mm. ideas. So, maybe... Um I don't have a problem with that. I think it's cool. I, yeah. It just makes makes it so I have to decide which version to own cuz I have limited space and I'm not going to own both, but he's he's going to own both but your audience. I am not. Them. I'm not getting it's... Dwellings. I like, just
1: there's no room for it. <laughs> All right, so if you do have a spare copy of Dwellings, I'll take it then. I'll take it off Anthony's hands. I'm just saying. Yeah, just yeah go that for it. <laughs> I want to have the little bases that make the little monster sounds.
0: <laughs> yeah, they're very cool.
1: <laughs> I never had a never had a game that did that before. I know they're completely ridiculous. Don't don't at me. I'm just saying. <laughs> just,
0: I like <laughs> toys. It's fine.
1: <laughs> Look, there's 400 episodes about toys. So come on. Come on. Yeah, yeah. Come on, people. We're not hiding anything.
0: <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> no, no.
1: All right. Well, speaking of toys, <laughs> I guess kicking this <laughs> now. Uh yeah, it's a game about toys, cause I don't know, like I said, I, I love Matago. I, I since there's like there's like three companies that I really love just because they are like the indie rock of like board games. Madigo is one of them. Uh, you know, Eagle Griffin is kinda of one, although they're getting bigger and bigger Thanks to thanks to Lacerda. And the third one is Gale Force Nine. And Gale Force Nine I love because unlike some other companies, the the bigger ones, they really truly sincerely like love the ips that they have and they typically do something different than i guess what the traditional bigger companies would do it's not always successful like i said like matico they swing for the fences and this game is star trek away mission so you have either stopped listening because you're not a star trek fan or you're you're 100 on board but if you're still on board for one more second hold on because basically what it is is You get to play with Star Trek toys because it's it's a skirmish game in which you are doing you know missions and objectives and things like that, and it's two factions fighting against each other, and it's all set in the Next Generation era. And basically, the initial core box is the Federation, and in this case, if you remember again, this is getting a little too deep into Star Trek lore, so I don't want to alienate anyone else, no pun intended. But there's a part in the Star Trek series of the next generation spoilers here, you know, where Picard gets taken over by the Borg. And then he, so he has a team, evil, scary kind of team. And then Riker has a team and they battle and on a little map because it's a skirmish game. <laughs> so what's really cute about this is actually the miniatures. They're really well done. They're a little on the cartoonish side, yeah. but they're highly, highly, <laughs> but I still think they're highly recognizable for the characters that they are. Again, these are pictures. These are not necessarily like actual playable figures that we're seeing in front of us, but basically each of the characters in play have special abilities and you have to meet certain missions and conditions. And again, what's fun about this is because you get to play with more toys because there's also two other expansions coming out. There's a Klingon expansion, a Romulan expansion. And again, not to deep <laughs> dive too deep but Gauron's house is here. So if you know what Gauron who Gauron is, Emperor of the Klingon Empire, he's here, he's got a faction and then Celsa's factions here for the Romulans again if you know that kind of deep. If you don't, you might like to play with little action figures to do skirmish battles with high quality minis with some mission stuff and you know, they'll be coming out in July.
0: This looks like almost like lower decks aesthetic. It's close. It's it's not, weird. It's close. Yeah, I'll
1: give you that. It's close. It's not. It's not super cartoony, but like they try to. It's. I think there's some. I, I look. They're not. You know, tainted grail miniatures, but these are not board game quality. Like this. This is a little bit better than that. They're not like.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Generic. I don't have stuff. a
0: problem with it. It's just a weird look. It's not based on anything they're just like let's take this in a different direction than anything else that's ever come out for star trek
1: it's weird yeah and that's what i'm saying with Guild force nine that they typically do that kind of stuff that they really try yeah. to they have a different aesthetic they have a different gameplay style some of the stuff works they have doctor who which is hit and miss in some cases they have aliens which has been pretty successful and they have the star trek license like ascendancy and things like that so if you like star trek you will certainly take a look at this especially if you like the tng era of star trek if you're not a Star Trek fan, and maybe you just like to play with a bunch of, like, little miniatures that may or may not be cool, eh, it's worth checking out. And that'll be out in some point, some point in July, probably August more likely, but uh August is Gen, yeah, yeah,
0: Gen Con. Yeah, That's probably. what I'm thinking.
1: Mm-hmm. All right, so those are all the games that we want to hit the table, despite knowing better. Anthony, <laughs> let's get on to the games that did hit the table. What'd you play this week?
0: I played Your Best Life from WizKids. My yeah. best life. Yay. Yeah. It's it's a it's a sweet little game. Um so this is a new one from WizKids uh releasing pretty soon. <laughs> I don't mm-hmm. know when it's coming out, but it's not out quite yet. Uh designed by Yaniv Kahana and it is a flip and write game. So you have a whole bunch of different decks of cards and you have like your sheets of paper, multiple sheets of paper that you're working with and you are writing out your life story. Ooh. Yeah. So based on all these different decks of cards and all these different symbols, you are going to write out your life story on these sheets of paper. Um, The interesting thing about the game, and there's a few things that are interesting, right? It is a life building game, right? So like pursuit of happiness type of theme. Um, But you can play it by yourself or you can play it as a couple where you work together together and kind of coordinate to do different things. And there are certain actions that you'll take as a couple that require you to work together. Like having children will require each of you to spend time, right? Mm. Um, And resources. So they kind of give that option there. And it's not really clear if the game was designed one way or the other. I would imagine it was designed for couples in mind, but both play just fine. So it's just a matter of like keeping track of more stuff if you're playing alone. Um, And you can play alone alone just solo too. So it it goes up to eight players. Um, The gameplay itself is fairly straightforward. You have multiple different decks of cards that represent all sorts of different things. You have actions that you can take. There's background, personal goals, shared goals for the couples, um, children for single players and children for couples. Again, because the requirements are different. Um, Post a story and vacation. So like different elements of things you would do. Uh, you also have to like manage a stress track. So the stress track can go in the wrong direction or it can go in the right direction. Uh, you can kind of have to manage that. If it goes too far to the right, you're going to lose points. If it goes too far to the left, you're going to gain points. So you of have like, happiness versus like meltdown effectively. Um, you also have like these personal goals and shared goals that you're going to work with that you're trying to achieve on your, throughout the game. Um, As far as how it all looks laid out from there, it is fairly abstracted, right? So like your sheet is, as you'd expect in any kind of flip and write, like a bunch of little boxes and symbols that you're going to be checking off, right? So, And they have little pictures on there. There's like birds and like things representing your life. And the artwork's very simplistic, but, you know, bright and colorful and interesting to look at. But you're not really engaging with, things that represent life as much except on the cards themselves as they kind of come up um there are a whole bunch of different symbols so like the actions themselves you have like health knowledge social money time and good luck gotta keep track of all that and then there's additional symbols that represent relaxation stress happiness balance opportunity and joy (laughs) so it is a symbol heavy game is a iconography heavy game um and like any flipping, right. You are like trying to manage and chain stuff together. Right. So like, as you check off boxes in your education track, you want that to reflect in your career track, but also not let other tracks get too low or don't go too far in that career track. That might increase your stress too much. Like there's a lot to, to manage here without it becoming like overly complex. Um, I would say in terms of like flip and write games, it's probably smack in the middle in terms of complexity. It's not it's not like up there with like your Twilight inscriptions, right? Which take two hours and there's a lot to keep track of and you have four sheets that you're constantly working with. But it's not like a very basic, like welcome to type of thing either that takes 15-20 minutes and you knock it out and it's relatively straightforward. There are multiple decks of cards, there's a of things lying on this table lots of different actions available to you to take and you kind of have to manage and balance not all of it like any good flip and right and right you you can kind of specialize a little bit but enough of it otherwise you're not going to do very well um i don't know how i felt about it because i like a good flip and right i like when they're a little more complex without being overly complex And the game is very thematic in as much as a game like this can be, where it tries to give you like, you have a background and you have these goals that you're working towards and you have to, um, you know, advance in certain tracks based on your goals and it kind of pushes you in a certain direction, right? So if you have a personal goal to become a doctor, you obviously need to move up in the knowledge track, right? to, To achieve that. But at the same time, at the end, it really just be, kind of becomes a number crunching thing. You're like, I need this track to go up. I need this track to stay here. I need this track to go over here. Like, it's a flipping right, right? Like, you're trying to manage numbers on tracks. Yeah. Um, which I is kind of the thing that turns p- some people off on these types of games. Mm-hmm. Um, I generally like that, though. And this one, for whatever reason, didn't quite click with me as much as I would have liked. And I think it's probably just because it's super fiddly. Like if you look at this game set up on the table, there are multiple decks of cards. There's the river of cards. There's all the different sheets you have in front of you. Um, Like there's the, you know, your family sheet plus your own personal best life sheet, plus the goals that you've drawn. Uh, There's dice that are rolled to reflect different things that can happen and stress, like how much stress you're going to gain from different things. There's a lot to keep track of. And it just doesn't feel like it quite gels in terms of the complexity and the payoff that you get from that. But I like the idea so much. Like, and the idea that you can play like as a couple is so cool. Like, I would love to see this in more games because it's, it's a clever mechanic and they use it. Like, it's not just like, Oh, you can play together. And one person manages this half and one person manages this half. It's like, no, you will put together your best life, but then you have a family sheet where you have to kind of coordinate and work together to achieve those goals because mm. that's what it's like, right? You can sure. go live your career and have your hobbies and do all your stuff. But if you're not working together with your partner on that family sheet, then life's not going to be good. <laughs> so uh, I thought it was a really cool idea and it works really well. Um, I just wish I liked the actual mechanical part of it as, as much. Um, sure. I don't hate it. It's just, it's not up there for me in terms of like a flip and right. I would play repeatedly. So it's a play for me, like a light play. I'll probably hold on to it, but um, it's not, it's not top tier. Like I had really high hopes when I started playing this. I'm like there's some really cool ideas here. This is such a clever thing. And at the end of the day, it is just check this box, check this box, manage this box, check this box. Here's a bunch of icons. Use these icons efficiently. Yeah, you know the drill, Chris. You'd hate this, except the theme would be cool, and you'd find that cool. And then the mechanics yeah. are what they are.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, like we, like this is your life. It's a flipping right. Ah, this is a horrible life. No, I don't yeah. want to. I don't want to write anything down in my life. <laughs> I don't want to be flipping things. Yeah, Thema- Like you said, thematically, I appreciate this. Like the I more games need to be this because so, I mean, we all have either close relationships, partners, lifelong partners, hopefully. And like games can help, you know, facilitate, develop, strengthen those kind of relationships. Actually, um, our friend Dave and uh, he was talking about this, like, you know, the idea of playing games with his wife and just how that, you know, started his relationship uh, and strengthened it throughout. And I think thematically we need more of this. Now, when I was recently doing my Kickstarter post-mortem, one of the games that I did re- did talk about was something I did back on Kickstarter and it's like dot, 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 and then they held hands. Mm-hmm. And I was really stoked about that because that was the first time I had seen a game that was like, like a designer-driven game that was about two players playing a couple relationship kind of situation this is before fog of love came out right and the game means well but the game typically more or less because it needs to be a game kind of distracts from the thematic appeal of it right because like you said then eventually it just comes down to like needing symbols (laughs) and it just like it's broken as far as the thematic kind of integration. But again, you don't want something that's just not a game, that's just a game experience, which is just also not good. Right. Yeah.
0: So. Yeah. I think this game, with the couple version and when working on those family goals, it works. Sure. It's just too often you end up skewing towards the part where that's not what you're doing. Like if they could purely focus on that, like a between two cities style cooperative work together on this middle thing. I don't know what that looks like and that's not what this game is so I'm not saying this game should be that but I
1: think it should because yeah,
0: maybe it should but
1: I mean if that's the strongest version of this and that provides a different twist on it because again I'm not mad it's just there's a lot of flipping and rights and there's a lot of right rolling right games like do something I yeah. just want something a little different as far as what my games are providing.
0: Yeah, I feel like if you could get a whole table of just couples together, this game might sing in that situation. Okay. So like it's one of the reasons I'm holding on to it, because I want to be able to try that, like get four couples at a table. Just, you know, full transparency. I did not do <laughs> before this review because I just don't know. Sure. Wasn't able to do that. But. You know, it tells you, you can play alone. It also tells you, you can play a mix, and I just don't think it works quite as well in that sense. Gotcha.
1: All right, cool. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad that I'm glad that they went the extra effort there. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, on the opposite side, I guess I played one of the heaviest, I guess at least Uwe Rosenberg games that are out there. I played Caverna. Uh, Caverna is currently up on Board Game Arena, and as Anthony kind of alerted me, you can also play it solo, which I think is a lot of fun because when you play the he and not necessarily heavy heavy, but when you play like the sprawling kind of heavy games where you need to like visualize multiple boards and there's a lot of things like a lot of things are updating and accounting for it's really nice to be able to get the run through of this so Anthony and I have talked about Caverna for many years I bought I guess the copy when it came out it was a crazy expensive at least back in the day it was $90 like oh my god why would you pay $90 for a board game that's (laughs) insane who would do that no one would ever do that damn it
0: such an innocent Uh, time
1: But I did, and again, it came with like $90 worth of content because it did come with all the endless number of animeeples, and it was just a great game. It was well worth the price. Again, I don't know what it would cost today. Maybe, I know the it's still around that price, but if they released it on Kickstarter, it probably be a $200 game mm-hmm. at this point. I guess if you consider the new Agricola, they recently came out, whatever it was, the 15-year anniversary edition, which is like crazy expensive for no particular reason. So, yeah. Let's talk about Caverna. Anthony loves Caverna. I'm not talking about Agricola, so no hate here. Yeah, right? we're talking about Caverna. Here. Caverna, all good. uh You know, Caverna is your cave farmers, and it's a worker placement game, and its focus is primarily on f- farming, but it lets you do something different than the traditional Agricola. So it's not just about producing crops and dealing with animals. You also have an actual cave that you're able to dig out and build a home. So just like Agricola, you build like your little house. Here, you're building a cave, which is a little more dynamic. I I like the cave structure better than I like the house structure. Almost when you play Agricola, you're almost, like, suffering. Again, I know it's misery farming, but you're almost suffering with the fact that, like, it never seems like you're going to be able to build your house. And your house infringes on your farmland, which, again, is also thematically cool, but also painful. Here, the cave, it's its own thing. And because Caverna is really well known for the fact that, like, where agricola you will get punished and killed if you don't do everything here in caverna you only get kind of tweaked if you don't do at least one of everything like one of every animal or something like that but caverna allows you to have a wide market of you know dwellings and special buildings that you could put into your cave which will allow you to create your own engine and your own victory point machine so, no longer is it like you have to just produce animals and food. Here, you could produce literally everything that's in the game. It could be rubies, it could be stone, it could be wood. Everything's gonna score, again, depending on the number of players in the game, because all the tiles are out there and available if you're playing with all the players. Less players, less tiles, obviously, so less options. So, if you can, even though it does take a long time, I would recommend playing with the larger player count because. It does give you more options in the game, and it makes the game a lot more fun. So basically, you have your two dwarves. They go out there, and again, worker placement style. They're getting resources so that you can do things, especially building and farming. But Caverna also has this mechanic, which it kind of loosely defines as like going out and foraging, but it's weapon. (laughs) The the icons are weapon-based, so it's like... I don't know if you're foraging is more as more like ransacking and pillaging. So, <laughs> and you have a special chart where you'll be able to get resources based on the level of, of, you know, military upgrade that your dwarf has. So again, it offers a really cool kind of mechanic where almost every worker replacement game wants you to get more workers, but here you could stick with your two workers and just upgrade them to be like the greatest warriors ever. and, forage uh, <laughs> stuff to fill and uh you know populate and never and do everything else that you need so there is there's a balance and even the game itself says like hey if everyone else has like multiple you know dwarves and is focusing on getting a lot of workers and one person is just going off and just using its two workers that person's gonna win because they have those spots kind of open just to them generally. So the game has some really cool tension. You could do both things. It's not just one thing or the other. This game's a lot of fun. I I like this game a lot. It's one of those games that keeps me coming back because again, it has different things. I don't always have to mine for rubies. I could also do any number of other things. I could focus just on getting any kind of animals and plants later on they had a couple of mini expansions that came out that gave you some additional rooms that was really fun and really appreciated they also had an expansion which was caverna the forgotten folk which allows you to start your you know cave off with a particular you know i guess folk <laughs> species so it could have been elves dwarf elves it could be trolls it could be any number of different mythical creatures that kind of start you off and then they have different gameplay rules for those Recently, they came out or coming out with uh, Caverna Frantic Fiends, which is kind of a different take on this. It's basically an additional board or additional level kind of module that comes into play, which allows you to deal with orcs because, I guess, Tolkien, right? So orcs are in play here, and basically they're going to mess with your stuff, steal your stuff, and your job is to trap them to, you know, air quotes, you know, I guess forge them away from this life to the next life uh, or bribe them based on using resources that you have in the game. So haven't played that expansion yet, have played the other expansions, still loving Caverna, still a great game, whether you play it online, which I kind of recommend because I think BGA did a good uh, implementation here, or you're playing in person, which I highly recommend. The highly, even though it's a table hog, I think the physical presence and play and visualization of it is the best version of that game so yeah caverna still gets a buy for me
0: oh yeah same here um such a great game it's funny though it's it's a weird one for i guess for us in particular because it's like probably each of our number two right? for <laughs> yeah. over your rosenberg games yes. but then the number ones don't overlap at all go go watch yeah. our rosenberg tier list to, to know what we're <laughs> talking about um but it is amazing. I think we can agree on that.
1: Absolutely. All right. So that's all the games hitting our table this week. Anthony, let's get to our feature review, which again is the Board Game Geek Top 100 Games. It's come down from the mountain. We're all supposed to praise it and look at it. It's a thing. It's big. It's important. It's powerful. It's the top 100.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's... It's a funny thing. Like, I wasn't aware of this when I first got into the hobby. I think that my first awareness of it was we were playing Seven Wonders at Myriad. And you said, oh, this is, like, one of the top games of all time. I'm like, based on what?
1: <laughs> like, <laughs> you can't just say that. that.
0: Based on what? And, and then you're like, oh, this thing. Like, oh, cool. Um, and then since then, I've been obsessed with it. So we don't. I mean, I don't think it's a particularly complex formula they use, but we don't know what it is. And we're not the types of people to tell you. And I don't want y'all telling me I'm wrong. So <laughs> all I know is it's r- loosely based on the ratings people give it, the number of people who've played it, and the recency of the game and the, and the plays. And they have some adjustments in there for things like excessive tens and ones. Although those adjustments are not capable of keeping the manipulation out of the ratings completely. Sure. So it's basically if a game has been around for a while, has a ton of plays and owners and has a high rating on average, it will rank highly on this list. Sure. Um, And it tends to like benefit more like older game, not even older, but like games that have been out for a little bit, like a year or two that have a very dedicated following. So like Kickstarter releases or like heavy euros. And then the people love those, which we've seen recently with, brass birmingham jumping up to number one so it's always really fascinating to look at the list because like lighter gamers are always like what is this list it's nonsense and the heavier gamers just argue with each other uh, with each other over which games should be higher i always find it funny
1: again it's one of those things where it does have some significant gravity in the industry and since board game geek the website is so big that if people are googling things like as far as top 100s concerned i know we come up pretty high but it's it's why it's it's oftentimes why people make their purchases
0: yeah oh 100 percent yeah especially early on you just go down this list you're like that looks cool i don't know what else to buy these look cool um so what we're gonna do because again we're not gonna write down the whole top 100 that would be a whole nother hour on the podcast but we'll kind of go through maybe like 10 at a time and just look at What's there, maybe what's newish, and what we don't know what's fallen off because we have, we haven't dug down to the second level, but there are some interesting things here always to talk about,
1: absolutely so anthony uh I guess we should start with one hundred and work our way up to the most controversial top one hundred tie,
0: yeah, yeah, so the that bottom ten of the top one hundred, like number one hundred through ninety one there are some classics in here uh, that have been on the list for a while. So Dominion Intrigue at ninety nine, we have Kalis at ninety four, Battlestar Galactica ninety three, Keyflower ninety two, El Grande ninety one. Like these are games that have been on the list for a uh, many many years. Sure. Um, what I find interesting, though, of course, is we have like Lord of the Rings Journeys in Middle Earth, that mm-hmm. app based exploration game for Lord of the Rings at number one hundred, um, Mombasa is still in the top 100 and maybe it wasn't even on here for a while and jumped back on.
1: I think it was. Yeah, I think it was off. And then I think the recent release of sky mines brought it back.
0: Yeah. Which I find fascinating because you can't buy Mombasa. It's been out of print for a long time. Um, and not that many people own it. So I don't know if it's like a reactionary thing as we tend to see here. <laughs> um, Raiders of the North Sea at 97 De crypto at 96, which I find fascinating. That's, you know, a party game, but like a little more complex one, um, sure, and then the search for Planet X is a game I've never played, but I've heard good things about, but it's at mm-hmm. ninety five like it's kind of climbed its way up into the top one hundred, which is kind of cool,
1: yeah, that's kind of confusing to me again i of like the top one hundred, which tends to be like you said the kind of like the games that but they move a lot, so yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean it's it's O'Malley and Rosset. They make good games. Uh, yeah. It's from Renegade and Foxtrot. Also make mm-hmm. good games. So it's just kind of like a slow burner, I guess. Mm. Um. So yeah. So you kind of like, especially at the bottom of this list, you tend to get a lot games of areas. yeah, like new stuff that's kind of bumped into it, older stuff that's kind of fallen down the list. Like I guarantee El Grande and Keyflower used to be much higher on this list. Oh, absolutely. Um. So the the next batch of ten, uh. A similar mix, but I, I think it skews a little newer. So we have Architects of the West Kingdom at ninety. We have Obsession at eighty nine, which is great. I'm, I'm glad to see Obsession on the top one hundred. That's really cool. Yeah, um,
1: and a lot, and, you can see, and I'm sorry, you can see a lot of these games where they're independent designers, and it's a one kind of shot, and it's amazing to see them in the top one hundred. I think that's just it's it's a beautiful thing. It's it's really nice that again we we kind of criticize the algorithm, but it's great that it caught that
0: yeah yeah and like that one was a game that we were shouting the praises of almost immediately yes (laughs) um and it it was uh shut up and sit down kind of giving their rave review of it that kind of pushed it over the edge and people like hunting it down and trying to get copies and it jumped in the top 100 yes and i'm happy that happened because it's well worth it true true um 88 is tainted grail the fall of avalon this is Yet another one of those Awakened Realms games. Awakened Realms is one of those companies that's like kind of quietly starting to take over the top 100. <laughs> so mm-hmm. they have a few games on here, um, none of which I've played, unfortunately. But it's interesting to see like, how... Because sometimes those Kickstarter games, they get on here and then they fall down because the people who initially backed it all backed it. They all put in their ratings at once and then not that many more people do. But these ones kind of keep moving. Sure. Uh, 87, Beyond the Sun uh 86 the seventh continent Sure, 85 is an old school classic dominion dominant species not dominion that's coming in later Ooh. um seven wonders is this used to be a top 10 game it's down to 84 which is crazy to me yeah lords of waterdeep at 83 voyages of marco polo at 82 robinson crusoe adventures on the curse island at 81 any yeah. major surprises there for you
1: no, I mean, these are games that we reviewed and played way back in the day. I mean, some of these are, I mean, they're about a decade old in some cases, and I'm really glad that they they found an audience and have kept an audience, because again, like you do have your games like Tainted Grail, which are just like, the production is like off the chart. Like, we haven't seen anything like that. They got the Kickstarter, you know, bounce and bump and everything like that. No hate against Tainted Grail, great game, but like The idea that Robinson Crusoe, the Voyages, Waterdeep, you know, Seven Wonders, like, again, they were higher back in the day, but still really great that they're here. Dominant Species, of course, too. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. And, like, one of the things, too, like, if you're, like, looking at this list and trying to figure out what you want that I encourage you to do is don't just look at the ranking. Look at the number of votes. Yes. That it gets, right? Because some of these games, we'll talk about a couple don't have that many, it's just all the people who rated it gave it a ten, right? so sure, it bumps it up the list a little bit, and it doesn't mean it's bad. it just means it's more niche, right? It doesn't have as broad of an audience, and if you don't know what you like yet, buying a game like that can be might be great. it might be a big mistake. It's hard to know,
1: yeah, like you'll take a look at number eighty versus number eighty one number eighty we're looking at like eighteen thousand votes, but number eighty one has forty thousand votes,
0: yeah. Yeah, it's such a big difference. Yeah. Um, and why it access game age of the game, right? Mm-hmm. Robinson Crusoe is six years older than Tantuacan, which is number 80. Mm-hmm. Um, and on is a medium weight Euro, which has a much more limited audience than a cooperative game.
1: Mm-hmm. Sure.
0: So speaking of 80, like we said, we got Tantuacan, City of Gods. Uh, I expect this to kind of move up higher, assuming they don't mess up the kickstarter deluxe edition that they're doing sure like a bunch of people are going to give them a lot of money and get that game in and rate the heck out of it so that's going to it's gonna it's a great
1: game and like you said it's somehow probably missed some people so the kickstarter yeah. will take care of that
0: oh yeah um 79 is cthulhu death may die i, I didn't mm-hmm. realize this was so high but i've heard good things i just again i don't like cthulhu so i'm just not gonna play it
1: <laughs> don't look cthulhu hear you say that man yeah yeah <laughs>
0: uh fields of arl 78 from Uwe rosenberg great great game but only two or three players which definitely limits its reach sure um, we have a couple of games here like you'll notice on this list sometimes you have two versions of a game and i really wish they would fix this because drives me nuts. That.
1: i really hate it i'm sorry
0: because yeah. like you got me a poster at one point which was the BGG top 100 where you mark off what you've played yeah and it'll have like war of the ring second edition of course i've played that and then first edition <laughs> i'm like I will never play that. <laughs> Why would I play that? Just to mark it off on my sheet? Yes. Uh, yes it drives me crazy. <laughs> so anyways, through the ages, the old version is at number 77. Um, mm-hmm. Which is still brilliant. It's just a new age. A new story is much higher. That's all.
1: Yes. And it's better.
0: Um, yeah. Agricola revised edition. The 2016 edition is at 76. Um,
1: again. Again, same, same, same deal.
0: Yep. Five Tribes. 75 clank 74 Aeon's end at 73 which is a great game to have on here and a part of this i think is that they just release so much content for it mm-hmm. um they keep releasing new stuff every year race for the galaxy at 72 classic uh, yet another example of an old version of a better game eclipse first edition at 71 weird i know just okay. like take it out of the list if there's a newer version that ranks higher that's all as long as the it just... newer version ranks higher drop the other one out
1: it just keeps space away from other games that could get that that kind of recognition and yeah. i mean the designers are should be cool with it i don't i mean i don't know look i mean that's a whole other episode
0: i guess uh, yeah. like, i don't know how how different is it
1: is it or is it so different that it needs its own thing i don't know
0: it yeah it i i never understood that logic of when board game geek decides something gets a new entry versus just updating the old one
1: Because sometimes they do actually just like, you know, squeeze them all into the same thing, which again is is problematic because now you're trying to find a thing like, oh, there's different editions under the same heading. I think they should just, I honestly, I think they should just retire them, give them their own list. Mm -hmm. Like Eclipse, you know, the highest rank it hit was this and it's retired at that rank. Like it's, Mm -hmm. there's a new edition now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You can't find the old one. It's out of print the better the new one is objectively better so yeah. yeah
1: yeah just keep it but just put it in a different list like we're you know whole full of, Fla- of fame classic retired it's just it clutters it clutters my yeah. friend
0: so much clutter all right moving on to the next chunk we've got 70 as azul brilliant game uh it's azul. <laughs> 69 grand austria hotel this is 100 percent because of the expansion i think so. yes uh Android Netrunner holding strong at sixty-eight. It used to be higher, but it's out of print now. But it's Much it's a brilliant game. I wish somehow they could figure out a way to bring it back. Gotcha. Uh Kingdom Death Monster at sixty seven. This used to be a lot higher too, but yes it still has less than ten thousand votes, despite it's... an average rating of eight point five. <laughs> so it's just not enough people have played it.
1: It's too expensive, unfortunately. So like, Would love to play it, but yeah. Uh
0: Paladins of the West Kingdom at sixty six the gallerist my second favorite was boa adjacent lacerda game um at 65 mechs versus minions still holding strong on the top 100 love this number 64 that's amazing that's crazy yeah. uh 63 is star wars imperial assault i love that this is still here because this has been out of print now for like three years like you can't get all this i mean they overprinted it you can find this stuff but it's it's uh they're not making it anymore Mm-hmm. Lahav sixty two, and then the Quacks of Quedlinburg number sixty one from twenty eighteen. This game jumped into the top hundred pretty quickly. I feel like it's been slowly inching its way up too.
1: Yeah, they just the new big box kind of helped too. I'm sure.
0: Yeah, forty one thousand votes on that one. Lots and lots of players of Quacks. Yep. Um, uh, next batch we have yet another lacerda game. There's a bunch of these on here. Uh, we have two actually in this chunk. Uh, Kanban EV at sixty and Lisboa at fifty seven so and honestly i think that's the right order i would say uh if you're going from the gallerist to kanban to lisboa i'm okay with that order Uh. clans of caledonia at 59 uh this is just such a great little game and they have new content coming for it soon which is amazing sleeping gods at 58 i'm so this one does not have a lot of ratings but Mm -hmm. it jumped up pretty high
1: i think the I think this is i i played this it's like you love it or you don't play it. I think we we've we've talked about that a lot in these game on this, like right. top 100 list. Like this is an expensive involved game and it's only meant for a certain group and that's what has landed it here because I think if other people play it or you know general audiences I don't think it's this high.
0: Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, same as Kingdom Death cuz only 7600 votes. Oh yeah. Like, it's yeah. A much smaller audience. <laughs> uh The Crew, the Quest for Planet 9 is at 56, but the newer version of this is higher. So another one Mm -hmm. of those instances. Sure. Um, Power Grid at 55. This is another game that used to be in the top 10, but just, you know, there's so many good games out there. Zulkin at 54. Crokinole is my favorite entry on the top 100 because (laughs) it is 150 years old, but it's at number 53. (laughs) So, Gotcha. um, The first of the Pandemic Legacies, Season Zero, is at number 52. And then these Alexander Fister games, I don't know how he does it, but he gets know. them up here. Fifty-one is Maracaibo.
1: Yeah, I, I don't. It doesn't make much sense. So yeah. right. I like
0: Maracaibo more than you, but I still wouldn't put it in the top one hundred. So
1: yeah, that's the thing. Like I'm not against the game. Like I, it's yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just too long. Better um, with the expansion, I'm sure.
0: Yeah, yeah. That definitely adds a lot. Uh, so it, moving into this, the top half, the top 50, we have The Mansions of Madness 2nd Edition at number 50, Pandemic Legacy Season 2 at 49. Um, some really recent ones that I love, uh, Cascadia at 48 and On Mars at 47. So, this is,
1: Yeah, On Mars just being this high is really surprising compared to his other starter games out
0: there. Yeah, On Mars is objectively brilliant. It's just so complex. But like thematically, mm-hmm. it works so well. Um which is part of the reason I think his newest game is not as high. Mm. Uh, Anachrony at 46. high concept, high reward. And then we have the the original version of Agricola, still ranks higher than the revised at 45. (laughs) Um, Blood Rage at 44. Underwater Cities, 43. And then Caverna, which you talked about today, at 42. Yay! (laughs) Uh, Puerto Rico, at one time, was the number one game on here. It's down to 41, but it's still in the top 100, and I can't see it going anywhere. Yeah uh moving on to the next match we have uh, a lot of newer games here pax Premier second edition at 40 marvel champions the card game has gotten up to 39 at this point which is amazing crazy uh crazy. too many bones at 38 uh great western trail second edition and this is i think the first uh, edition is still higher it's at 37
1: weird why no stop doing this stuff
0: this is i we all love what we love and we respect it. But this is that one game where every time I look at it, I'm like, how is this so highly rated? I don't. But, but like two editions of it. I know. Just... Yes. <laughs> two editions in the top 50. And there'll be more because there's new versions of this coming out, like the yeah. Argentina and like oh, New Zealand. There's going to be some uh, sheep. Yep. So Food Chain Magnet, uh, Splatter, right, number yep. 36. Uh, 35 is Mission Deep Sea for the crew. So again, Both versions on here. Deep Sea is better. So if you're going to get one, get that. It's a better game. Agreed. Um, Barrage moved up to 34, despite the early bad ratings. Like this game had like a 6.5 for a long time from Kickstarter backers who were angry at it. Yeah. But it's it's up to an 8.18 now. It is a good game. So (laughs) it got overcome. Uh, Mage Knight at 33 and Viticulture Essential Edition at 32 with Everdell at 31. So. All games from like the last five six years except for mage knight sure um orleans 30 last ruins varnak 29 uh 28 is root that one kind of keeps climbing up the list i I don't know if it ever got higher than that but it's it's been up here for a little while now Mm -hmm. uh arkham horror the card game at 27 which i agree with but again i just can't get myself to play this thing (laughs) um Terra Mystica at twenty six, all time classic. Twenty five is Wingspan. This was higher at some point, right? Because we were watching this climb.
1: It was right around. I think it might have been as high as twenty. I'm, I'm I'm blanking on it because I know that like we've talked about this game for a very long time, and I predicted it would it would pop like this, and it has. But I'm not sure. I think it stalled mm. a little bit, but it's pretty high for a relatively new oh, yeah. game. Yeah,
0: and part of that too is it has like almost eighty thousand votes. It's one of the highest oh, yeah. voted games on the list. Mm-hmm. um clink legacy acquisitions incorporated these legacy games do really well because the people who play them play them a lot and they love them yeah yeah, yeah. which fair i get it i love pandemics legacy season one i gave it a 10 but i haven't played the other ones so i don't rate them <laughs> therefore mm-hmm. they're not on my list uh feast for odin at 23 i think this is the highest rated rosenberg game so mm. you know just saying boo just saying just boo. Saying. Boo. If we go back to that list just saying take your <laughs> odd food and get out of here kid <laughs> uh, Eclipse Second Dawn for the Galaxy, all the way up to twenty two already. It's a twenty twenty release, but no one could really find it outside of backers until like last year. So yeah, pretty cool. Uh, Concordia twenty one, just an all time classic. Sure. Uh, so now we're into the top twenty, and this is where things they settle, and then some things will surge forward. So Brass Lancashire at twenty. Obviously, number one is Birmingham. So, both of them in the top 20 is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, Awakened Realms dropped Nemesis into the top 20 somehow. I know people love it. I just... These big, expansive, expensive Awakened Realms games, I don't know how they do it.
1: <laughs> That's true. Uh,
0: we have Seven Wonders Duel, which I think might be the highest in terms of number of plays on this list if Terraforming sure. Mars isn't uh, mm-hmm. at number 18. as In my opinion, the best Standalone two player game out there. Castles of Burgundy at number seventeen. Spin's been, been up there forever. It's our we put it in the essential list in our tier list last week or two weeks ago. Scythe remaining strong in the top twenty at number sixteen, which I'm honestly surprised by. I like Scythe. Mm-hmm. I don't love it anymore. Just I haven't played Fenris. I know Fenris. Fenris. I gotta play Fenris. <laughs> uh, but it's it's one of those games that like I thought would fall. Over time, because it's been out for almost seven years, and it just—it's yeah. still there. So good for it. Um, we talked about Great Western Trail. It's at fifteen. I don't know why.
1: Don't know why. Um, I'm sorry
0: yeah. if you love it. I know we bash on it a lot, but why? Why this came here? <laughs> um, Twilight Struggle, another w- one-time number one game at number fourteen. Yep. Uh, through the Ages, a new story of civilization. The updated yep. version is higher at number thirteen, as it should be.
1: Yeah, I think that might have been one number one at one point or at least up there. It like was one or really two. close. Yeah. yeah.
0: There's only been <laughs> seven or eight number one games, and I can't remember what they all are. Um, it's like Puerto Rico. Uh, Twilight Struggle. Twilight Struggle. Pandemic Bloomhaven, Legacy. Pandemic Legacy. There's a couple more. Yeah. Um, Dune Imperium has been really high on this list for a long time. Crazy, and when man. it first got this high, I was like, nonsense. That game is not that good. They've since released expansions that I think make it that good. Yes, and so I guess I'm okay with it now. I like it a lot. Number twelve is still really high. That's
1: so. yeah, really high. I mean, I love Dune, and I and I, I do love the game. I'm just I'm always surprised that's there. Yeah,
0: same. Um, Gaia Project Eleven, which I just it's it's got to be one of those things like people who play it because Terra Mystica's lower rated, but Terra yeah. is the game they keep supporting.
1: Yeah, so like they crazy more support. Stuff. I don't understand. Yeah. I don't. Again, I, it's a, again, in my opinion, my humble opinion, it's a better game than Terra mystica, but I don't know why it's here. Number 11. I don't, again, like you said, maybe like the people who play it, love it because they play Terra mystica, play Gaia project because they know they love it. Like it's already known that it would yeah. be
0: the, like they agree with us, I guess in that way. Yeah. It's just weird. Cause weird, they have made man. no new content for Gaia project, despite this love. Yeah. So. Spirit Island at number ten. All time great cooperative game. And they do mm-hmm. keep supporting that. And it's got forty three thousand plays, which is crazy considering how heavy it is and how niche it is. Um Star Wars Rebellion and War of the Ring second edition are back to back, and they have been back to back for a little while. And I love it because War of the Ring is one above number eight. <laughs> yes.
1: We we just did this. We just did this yeah, with our, our March Madness right. <laughs> but I again, know. It's. I mean, it's kind of funny too, because like these games are very reflective of our own top one hundreds. So,
0: yeah. So no, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah and it, it's the funny thing to me too is like Star Wars Rebellion has almost eleven thousand more plays than War of the Ring Second Edition. It doesn't get that many plays, but it's so good.
1: And it's been around. I mean, it's been around for quite some time too. So yeah. right.
0: Uh, all right, number seven is. I mean, it can be here, it's fine, but it annoys me for reasons. Um, Gloomhaven Jaws of the Lion. Nope. Should
1: not be here. Sorry.
0: Because it's just a stripped down version of Gloomhaven. And you know what? Frosthaven will be on this list within six months. As... And it'll it'll like pop it'll populate within the top ten. And then we'll have three games that are Glo- basically the same mechanics in the top ten. <laughs>
1: uh.
0: Fine. Yeah. and i like gloomhaven i just i don't like this i want diversity so people can find diverse games not look at it and be like i guess i have to go buy gloomhaven because it's yeah. everywhere and oh you know what i actually hate it <laughs> so there you go uh terraforming mars at number six i think this got as high as number three at one point mm-hmm. but this top 10 is all kind of interchangeable number five twilight imperium fourth edition and you know what it's interesting like doing this now i just realized that ti3 and war of the ring first edition are no longer on this list they yeah. have fallen off they're probably on page two
1: so. <laughs> i'm sure
0: um and that ti4 again is like if you play it you love it if you don't it's because you don't want to do it <laughs> so
1: yeah that, that's i think that historically that's been always the thing which is like the reason why these games are in the like the top 10 or even the top 100 is because the game identifies itself in a a very explicit way, like it's meant for this audience and that audience and only that audience plays it. Like that's been Twilight struggle. Like you don't have random
0: people just be like,
1: Hey, let's play a two player game about the political intrigue of the cold war. Like that's not a thing that happens.
0: Yeah. (laughs) People self select out of it. So like when people get all weird, like how is this game better than this game? It's it's not, there's just more people who identify as the type of gamer who would play that game than the other one. That's all it Mm -hmm. is. That's what this list is. People.
1: It's fine. Um, It's a good list.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The one that does throw me off a little, and it's fine because the game is super hot. But Arc Nova is the kind of game that everybody played, right? Yes, it's it's a a broad appeal euro. It's heavy, but not so heavy. It's not a Lacerda that people are like overwhelmed by, and it it still gets those high ratings. So it's at number four.
1: I mean, it's it's what te- I mean. The fact that it's above Terraforming Mars mm-hmm. blows my mind. Yeah. And and I got to say it's because it's just a little more accessible because of the the deck and because of the artwork and the it's a, it's Terraforming Mars should never I don't know. Look, that's a whole other story. <laughs> that's a story for another day. But the, the fact that it's number 4, number 4 man, 2021 this came out. Number
0: 4. Yeah. It's, like, and mid-pandemic too. Like when people weren't even back at the table yet this game came out.
1: Yeah, it's interesting to see if this game might hit number 1 at some point very soon.
0: It's got a rating that could get it there. It just needs enough people playing it. But yep. yeah, like you said, it's going on board game arena soon. Like it's
1: and, it, and then for a time it was on like sale, which I was shocked. It mm-hmm. was like half off a bunch of places, too. So I think a lot of people picked it up.
0: Yeah. Expansion coming out this year, too. So crazy. It's it's going to go. Um, OK, so then the top three, which all three of these games have been number one at some point in the last eight years. Uh-huh. Gloomhaven at three, Pandemic Legacy season one at two, and Brass Birmingham at one. Gloomhaven was number one for almost five years. um Like we never thought that would change, and of course things change, but mm. it was up there forever.
1: Yes, and the same thing with Legacy, Pandemic Legacy, which was like we had a I had a heated discussion about should this even be on the list because it's a one and done kind of thing, and it was there for quite some time. It's a great game, yeah. don't get me wrong, but it's just odd. Yeah, that one drove people crazy. <laughs> like, yeah, it's
0: tough too because I agree with you that it probably shouldn't be there, but I also gave it a ten, and this is the sure. system in which you give it a ten ah. and then put it up to number one. So, so you were
1: responsible for it. I see. That's I am. If
0: if I could give it a ten in a different way, I would. But <laughs> it was a it was a ten out of ten of experience for me.
1: And Brass Birmingham number one is that the the number one game?
0: No. <laughs> <laughs> But it is a game that if you play it, if you're the type of person who's going to play a game like Brass, you're going to love this game. Yes. And you're going to give it a good rating. Like I give it a 9.5. I think it's brilliant. It's in my top 10. Is it the best game on this list? That's a subjective statement. So who knows? But I am surprised to see it so strongly. Like there are other games that I wouldn't be as surprised as he'd do this.
1: This is a surprising number one, not in the fact that it's bad. It's in my top 100 somewhere. And I can't remember but it did get the Kickstarter backing, it did get the nice pieces, it did get the iron clays to go along with it. And generally, I, I think, I guess, we, we've now discovered more or less that the BGG audience is Eurogamers, I guess, more or less on some level. So it it makes sense that it's there on the number one. So, yeah. you know, it's nice. It's it, it, it kind of like a throwback, like at like Puerto Rico. It's just a very mm. good Euro game. You know, it's not TI4, it's not a legacy game, it's not Gloomhaven with its endless campaigns, it's just a good game at the table. So,
0: yeah, surprising. it's Yeah, it's funny, because you look at the top 10, and I would say half of it, the games are up there because of the experience of playing them. The games are good, but the experience really elevates it. Like, A Rebellion, A War of the Ring, A Twilight sure. Imperium, A Gloomhaven, A Pandemic Legacy Season 1, they're all really well designed but the experience mm-hmm. is what really pushes it to the next level games like brass or arc nova or terrifying mars it's just the game it's
1: just a game that one shot kind of situation yeah. instead of like massive x number of hours or x number of campaigns which again if you look at you know like the top 10 it's spirit island is 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 a long kind of campaign game depending on how you look at it rebellion's a campaign game war of the ring gloomhaven is that that big i mean this is the shrunk down version but still multiple kind of campaigns and then terraform mars like you said terraform mars arc nova and brass birmingham are their own little thing and then ti4 gloomhaven and pandemic are big they're just big yeah they're big and long
0: yeah they're the kind of games you tell stories about like oh yes. like, you won't believe what happened at our table last night like it was crazy whereas brass you're like yeah i won
1: <laughs> what did you I do how'd you win i
0: don't know, Someone I don't know. took my
1: stuff and i won yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: I, I, I got to go when all the beer was still out, so I used it. I was good.
1: <laughs> well, top 100 for 2023. Hopefully, you get to play all of these games because they're fantastic and they're all the top 100. Until next time, this is Chris. And this is Anthony. And we'll see you all. See you at the table. Take care, everyone.